the next several weeks at West are going to be very exciting, so I hope that you will come back and check us out and worship with us next Sunday. We have the 80s Santa Toy Factory, and they are busy working on this in the cafeteria right now. Their dance moves. There are some things that are different this year. It's going to be exciting, and I hope that you'll come. And next Sunday night, invite your friends. Uh, that is a benefit concert for the Pig Out Food Truck. We serve around 250 people every Sunday with our sister African-American churches, Faith and St. Paul, downtown Mooresville at Parkview Elementary. It's easy to forget that that is not a park because it just happens every single Sunday, but it takes uh, a lot of money to run that mission, and so we invite you to come next Sunday night to the benefit concert. Then the next Sunday is, uh, is going to be my personal favorite of the Christmas season. Our worship team will be sharing in song. We'll have uh, less of me and more of them. And I think it's going to be a really powerful Sunday with some testimonies and, and a few words by me, but I promise you'll love that Sunday. And then the next Sunday is our glow stick service. On Christmas Eve Eve, we traditionally have a fun glow stick service that ends with Silent Night, but it starts off with some dancing and some glow sticks. We can't light candles here in the auditorium. So on Christmas Eve Eve, uh, we play a fun game and there are prizes and then we end with waving our glow sticks in the air during Silent Night. And then on Christmas Eve, I invite you to come to probably the most traditional service that West has all year. We do know the word tradition. Uh, we, it's candlelight communion and we have uh, a short message. This, the service this year will be one hour in length so that you can go and be with your friends or your family after the service. But that's pretty much what you can expect from West. Then the Sunday after Christmas, it is all online. We do not come here to worship at the high school. We invite you to take a Sunday and hang out with your friends or with your family. Worship online with us at 10 a.m. that morning and get ready to kick off the new year. And then in January, we are going to do a message series that I'm really excited about. It's called Coexist. And we are going to look at the major world religions, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and Christianity, and how we can all uh, inter interweave together and respect one another. I'm going to share with you what the tenets of their faith are, and then we'll talk about Christianity and where we all fit together. But wouldn't it be a really cool thing if in our world we learn to respect each other instead of just argue all the time over our differences? That's one thing we hope is accomplished in January with us here, our small little microcosm of, of the world. Now, this morning we are going to talk about basic Christmas. I don't know if you have heard this phrase or not. Scott and I are the parents of young adults, and so... Uh, a few weeks ago, Lane said, that's so basic. And I'm like, I have no idea what that means. And I didn't know if it was a compliment or an insult or whatever. So she explained that to me, what it was. So I wanted to show you the definition from Urban Dictionary. Basic. Only interested in things that are mainstream, popular, and trending. So if someone says to you, you are so basic. It means you're mainstream, that you look and act and sound probably a lot like others in your culture or in our culture. So I'll let you decide if that's a compliment or not. If you want to fit in, it's a compliment. If you don't, if you want to be unique and stick out, then probably it isn't. But there's this idea in our culture about what Christmas is. So I thought maybe for the next several weeks we could talk about what it means to be 
basic at Christmas. And then the question that I want us to ask today is, maybe could we challenge ourselves to change the idea of what a basic Christmas really is. The song that the worship team sang just now, uh, you saw the video flash behind that. It had images of basic Christmas. All the things that we think of and, and we see during the days that are leading up to Christmas and in the whole month of October and November, those months, we see these things in, in our society. Christmas is inundating, and every year it seems that stuff comes out a little sooner, and, and people complain about that and all that kind of stuff, but I would wonder, and I ask us, to think about the things that we see and and what we associate with Christmas. I want to show you an image of the new nativity that has hit the market and is very popular. I find it hilarious, actually. It is a stable And there's a solar panel on top. And then you've got Mary and Joseph. Mary has her cup of Starbucks. And Joseph is taking a selfie with Mary and baby Jesus. Then you have the shepherds. And they are riding segways. And they have boxes in their under their arms. Probably boxes that will adorn each of our doorsteps. Then you have some gluten-free feed. And we have gluten-free communion this morning. So you can celebrate with that. And then the sweater that the sheep or lamb has on is is all you know I don't know the right word but it's a nice sweater and then the cow is 100 I don't know basic it is a basic sweater that is exactly right and then this guy's like the wise man or the magi and and he has his earbuds in and who knows what he is doing that's the new nativity that's out it's a little different right from what someone that was born in the 1900s up to like 1970 or 1980 would think of when we think of a nativity. We've given new definition to basic Christmas. I want to give you a little test this morning and see if you could guess what some of these images represent. These are basic Christmas images from our culture right now. What does this picture represent? Talk to me. Movies, Christmas movies. Yeah, everybody knows about Christmas movies. There's so many different ones that are popular and they show on TV all throughout the season leading up to Christmas. Okay, next. Starbucks, yep. And is it Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? Don't know. Next. Amazon Prime. How many of you are Amazon Prime members? All right, and lastly, (laughs) ugly Christmas sweaters, yep. How many of you own, clap if you own an ugly Christmas sweater? I own too many. I got them out of the attic. I'm like, why do I have all these? And then I remembered a couple of years ago, I think we did a message series that I wore one every Sunday, and now I'm like too embarrassed to wear them in public again. So totally a waste of money. Maybe we could auction those off on Christmas Eve. Even those are your prizes. I'm kidding about that. But, you know, it was an idea I had just now, and I sometimes talk stream of consciousness. Now, those are the ideas and the images of a basic Christmas. If you were to go talk to any of your friends and cite one of those things, they would know what you're talking about. If you were to go up to one of your friends and say, do you remember that story about Elizabeth and Zechariah? Maybe not. I want us to look this morning briefly at two people 
in the Christmas story. There's some lesser-known characters. They didn't make the new nativity. They, are, they come onto the scene at the very beginning. But they're just basic people. In fact, that's one of the really cool things about the Christmas story. If you look at it from its start to its finish, all of the people other than the angels, and angels mean angel means messenger from God. So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, someone in flowing white robe with a little halo. An, an angel meant messenger. But all the people in the Christmas story, every single one, they're basic people. And whether you consider basic to be a compliment or not, you know, basically, no pun intended, we're all basic. We are people and we have some gifts. We have some stuff. We have some things that, you know, like our gifts we're really good at and we can nail it. And then we have stuff we're really not good at that we struggle with. We have ways that we can connect with the divine, with God, with love. And, and then we have this stuff that gets in the way of that. that. We call it sin. And, and all that wraps up together in our lives to create, create us into being who we are. And sometimes I think we get so caught up in our basicness that we forget to let God use us to do great and powerful and really cool things here on this earth. That's part of living into being who we are created by God to be is to not be just basic. Or if we're going to be basic, let's embrace it. Let's claim the gifts that we've ha- that we have. Let's claim who God is calling us to be. Let's do it. And then what if we all did it? Then maybe we could infiltrate our culture and our society and we could show that, hey, people that follow Christ, people that worship Christ and God, they're different. They're not all those stereotypes that we think about when we think about religion and spirituality and church and Christians. So this morning, I want us to look inside ourselves, each of us. I want us to look inside our own lives, claim who we are, think about whether we want to be basic or not, own our stuff, and then maybe vow for the next 26, 7 days leading into the new year, maybe even a little longer, to use who we are to make a difference in the world. Because it is when we do that when we use our gifts, when we overcome the stuff that is our hurdle, our fears, our ick, it's when we do that that we experience this amazing gift that we're given at Christmas. It's a gift of love and a gift of hope, a gift of joy and a gift of peace that came when God came and inhabited the earth in the body of a baby in the most basic of places and basic of ways. The two people that I wanted to share with you about this morning, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they are kin, or Elizabeth is kin to Mary, who you may know of as the mother of Jesus. Zechariah was a priest in the temple, and Back then, they believed that God's presence existed in this place in the temple called the Inner Sanctum, the Holy of Holies. And once a year, one of the priests would be chosen to go into the Holy of Holies and and pay tribute and make an offering to God. 
So this particular year, this gentleman by the name of Zechariah, he's chosen to do that. So I want you to hear just a little bit of his story. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his, and his section was on duty, Zechariah was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the offering, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside And then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified. Fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And one thing to remember and to note, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were really, really old. And they didn't have any children. Elizabeth was barren. And so the angel says to Zechariah, your prayer's been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to bear you a son, and you're going to name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many people will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, remember I said Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're pretty much just some basic people. They respond just like probably you and I would respond if the same thing happened to us. Think about a dream that you've had, something that you've wanted to achieve or have in your life, and and you live your whole life trying to achieve that dream, and it never comes true. For them, it was having a baby. And then, like, they're old. They're really, really old. And an angel appears and says, Guess what? God's heard your prayer, and you're going to have a baby. And they're like, Zechariah's like, mm-mm. And that's what he does. See how that goes down. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? I'm an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute. You will be unable to speak until the day that this occurs. One of the things I want us to do today and in the next several weeks leading up to Christmas Eve is I want us to look at the people and all the characters in the Christmas stories, and I want us to find our place in the story. And I believe that there is a little bit of Zechariah in each of us. Like if there's some dream or some hope that we have wanted for so long and and we hear or feel this presence of God, you know, probably, you know, in our bedroom, all of a sudden a figure is not going to show up and start shimmering and go, Andrea, here's your answer. God doesn't necessarily work like that in our culture and in our society, but God is still speaking. God is as much alive today as God was back then when God appeared to Zechariah by the presence of an angel. Angel means messenger of God. And each one of us have messengers that show up in our lives every day in so many different ways by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we have 
have our stuff in the way far too much. It just keeps us from seeing God and hearing God and experiencing God. So then we just keep going through this monotonous thing called life. And it's just ho-hum and we feel like we're alone. We feel like God isn't hearing our prayers and answering our prayers. And then we just sort of give up on God and faith and, and love. We become bitter and we become sad. Zechariah didn't do that, but we do. But deep down within, even though we read before this that he was found righteous in the eyes of God and all that kind of stuff, he still had his stuff. Here is the man who is chosen to go into the Holy of Holies. Here's the priest who gets like the coveted deal. He gets to go and be with God, and then he gets in there, and God speaks to him. And he doesn't even believe that it's happening. That's messed up. That happens in our lives. God speaks to us, and we have this thing called doubt. And this other thing called fear. And it gets in the way of us experiencing God. And us hearing and being able to follow God. Doubt and fear. Can you imagine what it would be like to want something all of your life? And then you hear from God, you know, hey, you're going to finally get what you're looking for, what you're asking for, what you've been yearning for for so long. I imagine in his humanity it would have been hard to hear that promise because biologically it made no sense. They tried all their lives for something and it just seemed like it was never going to happen. So now that they're old and they're nearing death, now they find out they're going to have a baby. Sometimes it is hard for us to hope for things because the fear of the disappointment of that thing not happening is so big. We're just afraid to hope. Sometimes we are afraid to believe that God can work in our lives. So much so that we let our fear and our doubt keep us back from embracing hope. One of the themes of Christmas, one of the themes of Advent is hope. Zechariah was afraid to have hope. Are we afraid to have hope? The angel didn't go away when Zechariah had doubt. That's such a cool thing about God. God loves us and God embraces us in absolutely every component of our humanity. There is nothing Nothing that any of us can do that causes God to stop loving us. Even when we have the biggest sign and the biggest you know, opportunity to embrace God and we don't believe it, God doesn't walk away. The angel didn't say, you know what, too bad for you, dude. I gave you a chance and you didn't hear it, so I'm out of here. That's not what happened. The angel said, okay. Now listen, it's going to happen. 
it's all right if you don't believe me. It's, it's going to happen. But here's the consequence of your doubt and your fear. You're not going to be able to speak until this promise is fulfilled. But God will fulfill your promise. Your son named John, he's going to do great things and people are going to follow him and he's going to show them God. Now, can you imagine how Zechariah told his wife, Elizabeth, hey, guess what? Got a surprise for you. But he had to say it without using any words because he couldn't speak. It's like the first game of Pictionary ever. I don't really know how he told her. Somehow he would have communicated it to her. And then, you know, a little while later in the story, Mary, the young 15, 16-year-old girl who becomes by the, or pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, she goes to see her cousin, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, who is indeed pregnant, the baby leaps in her womb, we read. It's a powerful story. You know, that's not the only story like that in Scripture where there are big dreams and big hopes and they seem unlikely and impossible. But God always prevails. One of the things we say here at West is that the worst things are never the last things. We say it a lot around Easter when we talk about the power of the death on the cross and then the power of resurrection. I would challenge us to embrace that today too. The worst things are never the last things because there's always hope when we put our trust and our faith in God. The stories all throughout scripture show us that God is always at work in even the darkest Things. We believe in free will. We believe that life happens and stuff happens. And there's a lot of crappy stuff that happens to amazing people just like you. And sometimes when that stuff happens and we get beat down time and time and time after again, it's hard, I know, to claim hope. It's hard to dream again. But we see in this story this morning that it's okay to hope because their dream did come true. Now, that's not to say that every single dream that we have comes true in the way that we want it to. But the promise that I think we can hold on to today is that God does indeed work in and through all things, no matter how bad and how dismal they may seem. God is always there. We can look throughout the Hebrew scriptures and we can look at this guy who was named David and he killed people and he had an affair and all this kind of stuff. And he, I mean, he was messed up. He was basic and messed up. And then God used him to become the greatest king that we know of in our scriptures. Abraham. Another story that's just like almost Zechariah and Elizabeth. He and his wife, they wanted to have a baby and they were so old. And God spoke to them and said, you're going to have children. 
And they're gonna, he's going to be the father of all nations. You're going to be the father of all nations, and your descendants are going to carry out through all time. It's where we know of as the tribes of Israel today. Abraham was like, mm, not so sure. But he put his trust in God, and God showed up. And God carried out the promise. And for them, too, the worst things weren't the last things. The disciples, after their mentor and their best friend was killed tragically, they experienced in a way that perhaps we can't understand and we're skeptical about, but they experienced the power of the resurrected Jesus. They had hope, even amidst crushed dreams. Now, that's all nice and pretty, right? It's in the Bible, and we can read it. In my 22 years of ministry, I've had the opportunity to walk alongside people and their lives. It's one of the greatest privileges of being a pastor. I've stood beside way too many deathbeds where people that were way too young went and moved into life eternal. Some children, some teenagers, some young adults, and then some saints of the church that got to live long, full lives. But every single situation of those had grieving families around their beds. Have you ever grieved the loss of someone in your life? So my question is, like, how does this story apply to that? When a three-year-old baby dies or a 40-year-old man dies suddenly of a heart attack and leaves behind three children and a wife, where's the hope? And where's the promise that this crushed dream that we can have faith that it's going to all work out in the end? Every single time that I've been in that situation, every time, I cry out to God internally because you don't want your pastor like crying out to God. When you're crying out to God, you want me to suck it up. But inwardly, I'm like, oh my God, where are you right now? And why can't they see you and feel you? They need you. Flash forward, every single situation, when I was thinking about and writing this message and conjuring up all the people that I've watched lose loved ones, because that was like the worst thing that I could think of. We lose our jobs, we we have financial crisis, but when I was trying to think, what's the worst thing? Losing someone that we love so dearly, I think that could be like the worst thing. Every single time. I have never watched a family die from their pain if they put their trust and their faith in God. Somehow, by the power and the mystical way that God's love and God's hope and God's joy and God's peace works in each of our lives, the worst thing, are never, ever the last things. So what's your hope? What's your dream? 
Don't lose your voice because you're unafraid or you're afraid to trust God and let God lead you into trying to achieve that dream. Your dream may change, maybe. God never leaves us. God never disappoints us. That message is consistent throughout Scripture. Put your hope and your trust in the Lord. He surpasses anything. God surpasses anything that we could ever begin to comprehend or understand. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned during World War II. And he was an avid follower of Jesus Christ. He wrote these words right before Christmas, and I want us to end with those today. Who's going to celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation and all vanity, all arrogance and all individualism, Beside the manger. I think Bonhoeffer's words, whoever lays down power and honor and reputation and vanity and arrogance and in our individualism, lay it down. We can become basic. We can become basic like every single person in the Christmas story. They are basic. And God uses them to usher in this promise of hope that has stood the test of several thousand years. So there's got to be something to it. If there isn't, it's the greatest conspiracy ever. Claim being basic because we have the most beautiful Messiah that will carry us making a difference in this world Jesus knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. And he knew that the people that were following him, they were just a bunch of basic people, the disciples. But they were created not just for basic things. So on the last night that he was with them, he gave this meal that they had had all throughout their lives, the Passover meal. He gave it some new meaning, and it's meaning that we can embrace today. He took the bread, and he broke it, and he he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, this is my body. This is broken for you. And every time you eat of this, I want you to do it, and I want you to remember me. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood that is shed for you. This is the cup of the new covenant. And every time you drink of this, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. What did Jesus want them to remember? That they were basic and that the worst things were never the last things and that we are created to be a people of hope and joy and love and peace. So this Advent season, this Christmas season, claim that. Claim your dreams. Live for your dreams and know that the power of God lives and abides in each of us so that we can be the very amazing people that God calls us to be. Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask that you pour out your spirit on this bread and on this cup. 
You have created us in your image of love, and you have shown us who you are through this amazing little beautiful baby that came in such humble and basic ways. Yet that baby changed everything. This morning, God, show us how we can change everything. Forgive us. My goodness, we've, we've got so much stuff in our way. Forgive us of the stuff that we hold on to that is not of you. Help us let it go so that we can live into being who you have called and created us to be. Until we are all united in that kingdom of God, the biggest party ever. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Two things I want to challenge you with today. We have our version here at West. One of our core values is to have fun. And so we take what may be traditional church concepts and try to make them fun. So the concept of angel tree, which I think every church in America does, uh, we have this thing called ding dong ditch. And what we do is people that are a part of the West community nominate families or people that are in need of some Christmas love and cheer. They don't necessarily have to be indigent. They could, you know, be going through chemotherapy or something. They just need some love at Christmas. And then they're nominated. We have tags out there on a tree. And then you go, you buy the gifts or gift cards. If you don't want to shop, if we need gift cards for the families. You bring them back on the Sunday before Christmas Eve Eve after worship. We wrap the gifts and then people go. They ring the doorbell and they disappear. They make sure the people are going to be there. We don't just leave all the packages out. Um, we do have some common sense. But they go, they ring. That was funny. Come on. <laughs> you may be thinking, well, you're the pastor, so I'm not so sure. I embrace my lack of logic. And so we go ring the doorbell, and then we, I hear you talking. And then we go, and we run away. People love me because I have no logic. So that's number one. Number two. We have this. It's called the West Christmas Challenge. Every day from now until Christmas Eve, we give you an opportunity to do something to make this community and this world a better place. We highlight four of our missional partners, and so every day has a different purpose, and there's a theme throughout the month. You bring the stuff on Sundays, or if you're not here on Sunday and you worship online, you can bring it to the West office, but there's something different every day. We use this on social media, so it's a great way to share in a non-threatening way about West being your faith community. You got one of these, I hope, when you came in. If you didn't, grab one on your way out. And please join the West Christmas Challenge. It will make a difference as we get ready to celebrate that the worst things are never the last things. And you and I, we were created to embrace being basic and then go use it to make a difference in the world as God makes a difference in our lives. Go in the hope, joy, peace, and love of getting ready for Christmas. Amen. Amen.